You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and the very best TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. A legal disclaimer, we are not real psychologists. We are not real social workers. We're not allergists, but we are real movie critics. And dermatologists. So wear your sunscreen, everyone. (laughs) Wear your sunscreen. That's right. Of course, some of you out there are also critics. You love to criticize movies. You love to share your thoughts on movies. Who doesn't? Yes. So if you haven't already, please join our Facebook community where you can discuss and debate the movies that you love, the ones that we prescribe. It's very easy. Just join us at facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. Rafer, what is that URL again? Why, Kristen, that would be facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. Yeah. And Rafer's actually in this group even though he's never on Facebook. So that tells you something. It's a good group. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right, Kristen. All right, Rafer, should we get to this week's letters? Yes. uh, Our first letter is from Blake. Here's what Blake says. Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm going into my senior year of college, and my girlfriend just graduated and moved four hours away. We're trying our best to make visits work, but our efforts are hindered by the pandemic and our hectic work schedules. What are movies I can watch that directly deal with long-distance relationships? Thank you so much for all you do. I love listening to your podcast and have added every single movie recommendation to my already expansive film spreadsheet, Copy Attached. How do you like that, Kristen? Wow. Blake, can we share that with people on on the Facebook community? Because if you give us permission, Blake, I know that everybody on the Facebook community would love to see that spreadsheet you sent us. It's, It's quite impressive. Plus, I think it'd be good to share all the other recommendations that he's got uh, with everybody. So I think that'd be a that'd be a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So, Blake, join the Facebook community, post it there, or just give us permission and we'll post it ourselves. But back to your question. Rafer, you've been in long-distance relationships, right? Oh, yeah. Um, my, my wife and I were in a long-distance relationship for, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years. You know, we were in different cities. <gasps> I didn't I mean, realize it was that long. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. No, she was in um, California. I was in New York. Let's see. I was in Buffalo. She was in Boston. Uh, she was in Boston. I was in Florida. <laughs> then she was in Florida. And then I was in New York. Yeah, we we bounced all over the place. And in all that time, I'm trying to think about this. In those eight years, I'm thinking about three of them or so were together. And even then in Florida, and even then we were in, we were an hour apart. We didn't live together. We were in two different cities. Uh, wow. We had to drive about an hour to get to each other. Yeah. So I, I know from the long distance relationship. How about you, Kristen? Oh, I shouldn't share my stories because they end badly. So we're not going to do that because Blake is worried right now and we don't want Blake to worry. We want to hear happy endings like yours, Rafer. And you oh, and Anne have Kristen. now been together like over 20 years, right? <laughs> That's true. We have. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so see, Blake, don't, don't listen to me. Listen to Rafer. My disasters oh, don't matter here. They do not matter. <laughs> well, it is true. It is true that everything worked out great. You know, we, 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 we made it work. Yes. Well, we will not talk about the story once again of my best friend sleeping with my boyfriend when I was out of town. So we oh won't go boy. into that. <laughs> oh, boy. Those were the college years, weren't they, Kristen? Oh, oh, God. I was only long distance for like four months. It wasn't even that long. <laughs> like, come on, dude. It was a study abroad. God. Can't believe it. Oh. But yeah. Um. You know what, Blake? You're going to do much better than I did. You're going to be more like Rafer. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's right. We, listen, you've got a lot. You've got a lot of things going for you. And to that end, Kristen, I'm going to I'm going to step in and give my recommendation because it sort of hinges on all the things that Blake has in his favor. I'm going to recommend Blake a movie called The Return of Martin Gare from 1982. This is a great French movie uh, that really made a splash when it came out, and uh, remarkably. It is based on a true story. Uh, it takes place in a little, little French village uh, in the 1500s. Uh, a young man named Martin leaves his wife, Bertrand, uh, to go fight in a war. Doesn't come back. She waits. She waits. She waits. Doesn't come back. Nine years later, Martin walks back into the village and says, It's me, Martin Gare. I'm back. Oh, you jerk. Where have you been for nine years? <laughs> Look, he's he's been in a war. He's been in a war. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's, it's the 1500s, right? Things that's a different time. Uh, but you know, so they're back together. It's a happy day. She's not quite sure. Something seems a little off about him, but you know, it's her husband. He's back, uh, and she starts to think, is is this actually Martin? He's he's talking like Martin. He he knows things about me that only my husband could know. Some of the villagers begin to get suspicious, too. But Bertrand says, no, I'm sure it's Martin. She gets pregnant. They have a kid. They have two kids. Years go by. And then one day, another man walks into the village and says, it's me, Martin Gare. <gasps> and now Bertrand must make a decision. I'm not going to play a clip. It's in French. But that's the story. Once again, true story. Famous case in history. True story from the 1500s. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Such a great movie. Is that a good or a bad outcome to a long-distance relationship? <laughs> You've been gone well, for nine years. We made it work again. We started a family, and yet maybe you're not who I think you are. Blake, don't do that to your girlfriend. <laughs> Blake, this is not going to happen to you or your girlfriend. This is one of the things that I like about this movie. You know, could this happen today? I just don't think it could. Technology keeps you close, right? Technology makes these things possible. A long-distance relationship isn't what it used to be. Um, people can't just vanish for years at a time. They've got, the, they've got the telephone. They've got smartphones with cameras. You've got FaceTime. You've got Zoom. 
The return of Martin Gare could not happen today. And I just think it's fun to think about this stuff. You know, it's kind of a good and a bad thing. Technology makes a long-distance relationship possible. But I also think that we might tend to enter into long-distance relationships more because we feel like they're more possible, because we feel like we can be more connected. So a little bit of a double-edged sword. I just like thinking about this kind of stuff when I watch this movie. Could this happen to me today? What would my reaction be? Mm. I'm not saying there's a lot of advice necessarily in this movie that will jump out at you, Blake. I just think it's a fun, mysterious, totally mesmerizing, true movie about one of the weirdest long-distance relationships ever. And I just thought it might give you some food for thought and be kind of fun and a fun way to look at your predicament. I hope. Wow. I need to check that out. It's a it's a great great movie. Gerard Depardieu is Martin uh, is Martin Gare. Uh, it's a love it's that a, Gerard Depardieu. You gotta love you gotta love Gerard. Um, <laughs> so Kristen, what about you? What do you have for our listener, Blake? All right. Well, I am choosing a movie that is more recent. It's from 2010, and that means all the people in this movie get to use those technologies you just mentioned, Rafer. They get to FaceTime with each other um, or Skype or whatnot. Um, They get to watch videos together on YouTube and talk on the phone and laugh about the videos they're watching. They can talk on the phone anytime they want to. They can have phone sex. They can do it all. And yet it's (laughs) yay for phone sex. (laughs) And yet it is still challenging at times. The movie is called Going the Distance. It stars Drew Barrymore as Erin. She is um, pursuing her journalism degree on the West Coast, while Garrett, her boyfriend in New York, is uh, working in the music industry. So she's trying to finish her final year of journalism school. So this is kind of similar to your situation, Blake. One of you is, you know, working, the other is finishing school. And, you know, they do all they can to keep things alive between them. But of course, it's challenging. It's tough at times. Here's a clip. And listen, I, I, I know you're on a deadline to make a decision about this, this Chronicle job. I know that. And you were right, by the way. You should not be in this alone. I, I want to help you, and, and we're in this together, right? But that being said, um, i got to be honest with you. I want you in New York. But not just you in New York. I want you and me in New York living together. I want to get a place with you, a place that you love, a place that we can make our own, where we can put... Tom Cruise all over the walls and, and, and get the Tom Cruise bedsheets and Tom Cruise toilet paper. Or we could buy our own centipede machine and drink jugs of Sunshine Harbor all day. <laughs> I just want a real relationship with you because I love you and you're my best friend. And frankly, I am so tired of, of missing you. Drew Barrymore's She is so delightful. Delightful is the word for her. She's delightful in this movie. But the supporting cast is also fantastic. Christina Applegate plays her protective sister, who says a lot of snarky things. She's very funny. Jason Sudeikis (laughs) is in it as one of Garrett's pals. Uh, The supporting cast and Drew Barrymore are fantastic in this. Justin Long, you know, he's cute. He's fine. (laughs) But everybody else is fantastic. And he's okay. I like Justin Long. Yeah, he's perfectly likable. It's just that the other cast members are so huge and they shine so much in this movie. But um, I think overall, it's just a good reminder of how you can have a sense of humor, how things can be tough, but you can still, you know, laugh about things if you're communicating. And how in the grand scheme of things, the distance that you have, which is only four hours, Blake, is not that bad. In this movie, one of them is 
you know, in California going to Stanford and the others in New York City, you can't just drive four hours to see your sweetheart in this movie. And the people in this movie would kill, and I don't want to give away the ending here, they would kill to be able to drive to each other in four hours. So in the grand scheme of things, I hope this movie gives you a little bit of perspective, makes you laugh, maybe makes you see yourself. uh, And then, you know, just reminds you that four hours is not so bad. That sounds good. I think I've missed that movie for some reason that you said that was 2010, right? Everybody missed it, Rafer. Everybody missed it. Yeah. It it, it has, you know, so-so reviews. Um, It wasn't in the theater very long. And it's a shame because it really is an all-star cast in this movie. And Drew Barrymore really is just delightful. And this was that era where everybody was into Justin Long, too. Yes, remember that, I remember. There was that like, I, I, brief era yes. where everyone's so into Justin Long, the guy totally. in the Apple commercials. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do remember. All right. Listen, I wish I'd seen that. It sounds good. So, Blake, our listener, our recommendations are from Kristen, Going the Distance, and from me, The Return of Martin Gare. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder, we love it when you rate us five stars and review us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Olivia BM recently gave us five stars and wrote, fun and deep. Such a great mix of so many things. It's interesting hearing what so many are going through and what a clever way to gain insight into your situation by watching a prescription movie or TV show just for you. I've watched more movies in the past week because of this podcast than in the last six months, and it's been fun. Thank you so much, Olivia. I like the fact that you called us fun and deep. I I love that too. I want that on a t-shirt. If we ever make some t-shirts, let's put that on there. Fun and deep. Yeah. Uh, we, we appreciate that very much, Olivia. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, and everyone else, stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who feels like a late bloomer. We're back with our second letter of the week. This one is from Salem. Kristen, do you want to read this one? Yes. Salem says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, what a joy to discover your podcast. I've always been a late bloomer and I came out as gay in my early 30s. I never really dated before and am just now entering the dating scene at a time when most people are getting married and or having children. I know I'm not alone, but I sometimes want to watch something where I don't feel like I'm totally behind in life. Do you have any recommendations for late bloomers looking for love? Ooh, I like this. Uh, I like this question because um, I feel like a late bloomer. As Shut well. up, Rafer. You are yeah. not a late bloomer. That's that's that's. Yes, I am. It's totally no. true. Why do you no, say I'm that? No, I'm the late bloomer in this relationship, you? Rafer. Yes, I'm totally the late bloomer. <laughs> I could not get a boy to look at me twice when I was in high school. It took me until I was in my 30s to be on the career path that I am now. I mean, compared to you, Rafer, I am so behind things. Oh. I mean, I am definitely the late bloomer in our friendship. Listen, I don't think that's true. It took me a long, long time to find myself uh, a career, even a even a path toward my career. It took me a long time, I think, to find uh, the woman that I was going to marry. It took me a long time to marry her, as we just discussed. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I just I feel like, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't ever date, kiss, touch anything with anybody until I was probably 17. I was out of high school. I don't know. I just feel like I've been a late bloomer here and there all my life. <laughs> So we have two people here. We both feel like late bloomers. Yes, so we can relate. Um, Salem, it's now three of us. Three of us are all late bloomers here. We we know what it's like. We feel your pain. And I also just want to remind you, you're seeing certain people married and having kids in their 30s. 
I don't know where you live, but here in Brooklyn, most people aren't married and having kids in their 30s. God, totally. Oh, my gosh. Do we? I mean, almost everybody we know, Rafer, didn't have kids till they were in their 40s, right? I was 40 when I had my kids. Yeah. Yep. And again, this is New York. It might be different where you are. But, you know, getting started in your mid-30s or 40s or 50s or whatever age you are, that's fine. There's no time limit on love and happiness. You can do it at any time. Anytime. I agree. I agree. Well, so Kristen, what do you recommend for Salem? Well, I am going to recommend a show called Queer Eye. And I want to make clear, this is the 2018 reboot on Netflix of Queer Eye, not Ah. the original Fab Five. The current Queer Eye stars Karamo, Tan, Jonathan, and Anthony, as well as Bobby, also known as the Fab Five. In each episode, they help a different guest make over their wardrobe, home, beauty practices, cooking routine, and just their whole lives. It's a reality makeover show. And all of their guests are big-hearted people who need a fresh start. In some cases, they're starting over after a tragedy. In others, they're late bloomers or they're coming out for the first time. And it is such a joy to watch, but it's also a cry fest. I cry every single time with every episode. (laughs) And for you, Salem, I specifically want to prescribe an episode from the newest season, season five, featuring Pastor Noah. Pastor Noah is a late bloomer trying to discover himself as a gay man after many years of hiding himself. I have struggled with my identity as a gay person. I feel like I can't be the kind of leader in the church that I could be. Someone call 911 because this is a 5-5 confidence emergency. Actually, we shouldn't do that because we should only use 911 responsibly. <laughs> Let's start that beauty montage. Oh my goodness. When's the last time you cooked? I have no idea, but we killed it. We did. <laughs> Before you get overwhelmed, I have a plan. Pause. You know those metal bins that you can, like, put clothes in and burn them? Do you have one of those? <laughs> so... Not only does he, you know, get to meet up with the Fab Five, but the Fab Five put together a meeting with him and different gay community leaders and gay religious leaders to help him embrace this new moment in his life where he's out, where he's still trying to be a religious leader, where he's afraid he's too old, he's afraid that there's no place for him in the church. And so he gets to be surrounded by others who say, no, there's a place for you. We're all in this together. And then, of course, they give him a really great haircut, too, and nice new clothes. They do the whole thing. It is so good. Kristen, this is so you. Yes. This is so, this is so <laughs> your style. Is. I love to cry. I love a makeover show. <laughs> I love a before and after. I love a humble person who looks like nothing special who really gets to shine. I love all those things. I love it. I, I've no, I've never seen it, even though I remember when the when the show came out and originally on Bravo, as I recall. Yes. I think it was sort of yes. one of the one of the shows that kind of put Bravo on the map, as I remember. Um, it did, and back then Bravo was a different network. It was not the Real Housewives. A lot of people right. referred to Bravo as the gay network back then, and uh, there were a lot of LGBTQ shows on Bravo in the beginning, and Queer Eye was the first big one. That was such a funny change back then, because this is how old I am. I remember Bravo as the um, European art house film channel. 
Oh my gosh, I forgot that was the case first. Yes. Oh my God, it was so, it was, that's so funny how it sort of morphed over the years. It became this whole other thing. Anyway, um, yeah, I just, I, I will say, even though, again, this is not my style, you know, reality TV, this kind of makeover show, not my thing, but I do remember thinking, like, boy, I could use that. I could really use that makeover. It looks, really looks uh, very appealing, but... I, I'll nominate you, Rafer. You want me to oh, nominate thank- you? <laughs> no. Now, no. Um, what about you though rafer i want to know what your recommendation is okay for salem i'm recommending a movie that came out not too long ago in 2011 a movie called beginners which i know Kristen is a fan of i chose it um i know it's a well-known movie it you know it won the oscar christopher Plummer won the oscar for this um so good good. he's so good in it uh but i also feel like it's one of these oscar-winning movies that nobody saw like um moonlight Mm -hmm. or the hurt locker uh you know these things win these things win awards people sort of never really saw them but it's a great film it's a story of two men oliver who's about 40 he's played by ewan mcgregor he's a graphic designer uh he works in the music industry and then there's his father hal played by christopher Plummer. Uh, he was a Marine in World War II. Hal's about 75 years old now. His wife died about 10 years ago. And now Hal, at this age, has decided finally to come out of the closet and start living his life openly gay. Here's a clip of father and son having a little heart to heart. Maybe you should take out a personal ad you know, where you can explain your situation. My situation? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you, you want to be in a relationship and you can't stand one. That's your fatherly advice, personal ads. Well, a lot of people use them. I did. What? If Andy wasn't going to be monogamous, why should I be? Bob. Now, Rafer, what I love about your recommendation is the title of the movie is Beginners, but who are the people who are really beginning? Is is it Ewan McGregor's character who's the beginner? Or is it his father, played by Christopher Plummer? Um, They both are, right? Right. And I just love that. And based on the story, I think a lot of people just think it's about Christopher Plummer, but we all are late bloomers in our own way. And we all have the opportunity for fresh starts. So I I love this recommendation, Rafer. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good movie. Um, you know, uh, Mike Mills is uh, the writer director, kind of an interesting guy um, who makes these very autobiographical films. This is this is based on his own father. And if you like this movie, you might also like his other film. Um, well, he's done a few films, but uh, one of his other big breakout film was Twentieth Century Women, um, which is based on his childhood, which I found eerily mirrored my own uh, childhood it was so it was so so similar i kept thinking if that guy takes his shirt off is he gonna have a mole just under his armpit just like <laughs> i do because this is getting this is getting a little almost creepy but beginners is such a great movie my favorite part i think is hal when hal gets himself uh, a lover uh it's this young guy played by uh goran Viznik, uh yes. and he's like he's like young like 30 i think he's younger than the younger son. than his son yes and, <laughs> i uh, remember that right and you know oliver is sort of horrified by this, especially because uh, Andy, the lover, is just completely non-monogamous. You know, Hal is just one of his stops along, you know, on his regular circuit. And Hal's fine with it. Andy's fine with it. There's no secrets. Um, Everyone's cool with it. And so Oliver eventually has to be cool with it, too. And I just guess what I like about the movie is, you know, 
75 years old, it's never too late, and all you can do is look forward. There's no point in looking in the past. All you can do is look forward and take what life gives you and take action and go for it. And I think that's one of the great messages in the film. Love it. Oh, I love it. So once again, Salem, those recommendations are from Rafer, Beginners, and from me, Queer Eye on Netflix. Um, One other episode of Queer Eye, by the way, you should watch is the one with AJ in season one. That's just another fabulous coming out story and um, someone who feels he's a late bloomer. And I'm not going to talk about it more because I'm about to cry because it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Christian, you know all these by heart. It's like they're they're characters in your own life. I love them. Love it. All right, we're going to take another quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? I think you do. I can feel it. Yes. Visit our website, <laughs> raferandchristian.com. Fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. No, you do not. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next segment. Stay with us. We are back with this week's What Should I Watch Next letter, and this one is from a listener named Nicole. Rafer, I'll let you take it away. Okay. Nicole says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, our lucky eighth grade daughter has been sheltering in place with her super cool parents since mid-March. This letter came with instructions that said, please read that with the appropriate level of sarcasm. So I... (laughs) I, I hope I, I hope I conveyed that. Uh, we've watched a lot of TV shows together and inspired by Stranger Things, which she loved. We recently decided to dip into movies from the 80s. But my goodness, many of these movies just don't hold up. 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club and others are politically incorrect and really inappropriate. Obviously, we can and have used these movies to spark important discussions. But after a certain point, I'd just rather watch a better slash more appropriate option. Are there 80s or 80s-inspired movies or TV shows that aren't so cringy? What should we watch next? Oh, my gosh. Rafer, we've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. You and I, so many movies that we used to love, and then time passes, and then we watch them, and it's just like, what is this? Sure. This is terrible. This I, is so bad. Look, I know, and it's and I, I know exactly what this listener is going through, because I've got two kids um, who I think are you know, roughly of the age where they would enjoy some of that stuff, especially my 12-year-old. You know, I showed them Airplane recently, one of my favorite movies of all time, and there are just... it's Airplane comes just short of going over the going totally over the fence for me there are just there there are a couple of jokes on race a couple of jokes that are i think not so great to women where i just feel like mm, i can let them pass but they're a little tasteless and i remember thinking like ah you know that that's it's i still love that movie but it's kind of it's pushing up against the edge there for me i still love the john hughes movies but I, you know i totally understand what people say about those um so it's tough i get it Kristen, I, I I know it's the same thing with you. Yeah, it's so tough. Um, and then, you know, I was just looking up the other day, you know, all these movies I used to love, even the ones that in my memory aren't that offensive. Like, I remember even watching 16 Candles as a kid being offended by the character Long Duck Dong and let's yep. have let's have sex with a woman who's unconscious against her yep. will. Like, yep, yep, even yep. as a kid, I'm like, some of this doesn't seem right. 
But, you know, there are movies that I thought were not bad at all, but I've since looked back at them like, I loved Footloose. I didn't know they used the F word in that. Like, um, Oh, is that right? Boy, I haven't seen Footloose in a long time. Like, there are so many movies that use gay slurs where they just throw around oh, the sure. F word left and right and yep. left and right. And it's yep. like, geez, I don't mind it when people say the other F word that rhymes with shucks. Um, But you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that like it's the slurs, it's the racism, it's the sexism, it's, you know, the violence against women. Those are the things that I'm just like, eek. (laughs) And there's way more than I realized growing up because that's just what we watched back then because that's what there was. Um, That's the way it was. But they're not all bad. Not everything from that era is terrible. And Rafer, I want to know what you're going to recommend. Okay. Um, Now, I... I pride myself on being a little bit of an 80s expert. So uh, you've come to the right place, Nicole. I'm going to recommend a movie that I'm 99% sure you haven't seen because I think 99% of people have not seen this. It's Night of the Comet from 1984. Now, just dig that year. That is, that's, the, that's the peak of the, of the teen flick movies right there, right? <laughs> there were okay. so many good ones. Yes. Oh, my God, right? So we're right, we're right in the center of the decade. And I try to recommend this movie to people every chance I get. It's a little sci-fi comedy gem that I just fell in love with. Uh, so it's the story of two sisters, um, 18-year-old Regina, played by Catherine Mary Stewart, 16-year-old Samantha, played by Kelly Maroney. They live in the L.A. area, kind of a rough background. Uh, dad's in the military. The mom's kind of sleeping around. The mom's a little bit on the abusive side. Well, one night, America is gearing up for a big astrological event. You know, everyone's going to stand outside and look up at the sky because the Earth is going to be passing by a massive comet. And this is very exciting only happens once every 65 million years. Last time this happened, there were dinosaurs roaming the earth. Gee, what happened to the dinosaurs anyway? Well, everyone <laughs> gathers outside to watch that comet pass by, except for Reggie and Sam. Uh, uh, Reggie, the older one, spends the night with her boyfriend in a movie theater where he works. Uh, Sam runs away from home from her abusive mom and spends the night inside a metal shed. When they wake up and they come outside, they realize that everybody on earth has been either uh, reduced to red ash or they've become zombies. Here's a clip. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? Get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but you will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the comet. The garden of civilization is on us. Ipsen, isn't it? Rayford, oh, this sounds so good. It's so good. This is totally up my alley. It's so good. I love it. I love girl leads. Yeah. I love apocalypse. Exactly. I love all of it. I love surviving right. against zombies. Right. 
And here's here's one of the reasons I recommend it, aside from it just being like a really fun, inventive and really good, like a really good looking kind of, you know, really colorful looking kind of B movie sci fi looking film. The two sisters in this film are really strong characters. The guy who wrote and directed this film, Tom Eberhardt, I've always suspected that maybe he started with male characters because Regina is always called Reggie and Samantha is always called Sam. They've got these kind of traditional guys names. Um there's a funny little, uh, the older one, uh, Reggie, she's obsessed with this certain video game where she always has to get a high score. It's kind of a running gag in the film. And I always thought, like, that's kind of a typical 80s guy thing to give your character. It's an unusual thing to give your female character. And here's the other reason. Uh, the main male character in this film is a young truck driver named Hector. He's played by Robert Beltran, and he is one of the very, very rare Hispanic male romantic interest leading men that you will ever see in an 80s teen movie. Um, I always felt this movie didn't get enough credit for that. But it's got a it's got a like a strong little cult following. Neil Gaiman, the uh, the author, the comics book uh, author, is a big fan. And Joss Whedon um, once said that this movie was a really big influence on him when he was creating the character of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So it's got its fans. Um, and I have yet to recommend this movie to anyone who hasn't liked it. So Night of the Comet. That's my recommendation. Oh, sounds so good, Rafer. So good. Yeah, it's very fun. And so, Kristen, what about you? Have you gone for 80s or have you gone for 80s inspired? I've gone for 80s as well. Okay. There is a show that I used to love as a kid. It's called A Different World. Oh, sure. It ran from 1987 to 1993. It's currently available on Amazon Prime. And A Different World is, you know, um, a great show for teens and early 20s people. It uh, features posh girl uh, Whitley. She is so rich. She is so stuck up. She's such comedy gold. Math whiz Dwayne Wayne, um, the older, wiser, non-traditional business student Jaleesa, who's a few years older than the other kids. Uh, We have the fun guy about campus, Ron, and an ensemble of other students all at this fictional, historically black college called Hillman. And we get to see them learn, grow, get up to no good, fall in love, and explore all sorts of topics in a smart way. Now, one thing that's very notable about A Different World is they did not shy away from things that were frequently um, taboo at the time to talk about in media. They were one of the first shows back in 1990 to talk about AIDS, for example. Uh, They talked about violence against black people. They talked about the Gulf War. It was one of the first shows to acknowledge the war, uh, date rape. They have all sorts of topics that in that era, nobody else was talking about. And they did it very smartly, too. And so I remember really enjoying that. And I, I do want to note it is a spinoff of The Cosby Show. Yeah. Um, but not to worry, Bill Cosby is not in the show. I just want to make that clear. Um, Debbie Allen, actually, from season two onward, was the creative director of the show. And it is such a smart show and often very funny. Here's a clip. It's not fair. This graduation will not be the same without Ron. He should be here. He should have taken that history course. Whitley, when I left him this morning, he was as down as I'd ever seen him. My fellow graduates! <laughs> Good to see you, babe. How you feeling? Hey, how you doing? Good excuse to see you. Me, excuse you me. Excuse me. Where did you get this cap and gown? Graduations are us. I'm all set. Ron, you're going to march? You are perpetrating a serious fraud, man. What if the dean sees you? My father paid $55,495 to see me cross that stage, and I'm going to cross that stage. And what are you 
do when they don't call your name? Do you know how many Johnsons there are in this school? But, Ron, your old man is going to see that it's not true. Now, my man's not going to see much of anything. He's got 20 over 200 vision. And tragically, last night, he left his eyeglasses in my pocket. Well, I think you are a sick, mixed-up individual, but I'm glad you hear me. I remember that show only from sort of casually flipping by it um, as a kid, but I also remember it seemed um, really cool. And it was it was like a it was part of like a great uh, uh, I don't know if renaissance is the word, but a, a, a great flowering, I guess, of like black television and black um, f- film, black media at the time. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, just everything. Right. House Party and um, and and the Spike Lee movies and the Cosby yes. show and this and Living Color. Right. I mean, it was just. Um, oh, yeah. And Living Color. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a huge deal back yeah, then. Yeah. yeah. It was a really special time in media. And I think about how lucky I was to be a kid when all of these shows were on. Fresh Prince launched in 1990. Right. Um, and there was just this beautiful era of so many shows with black stars and then suddenly it just all evaporated like in the 2000s like right what happened to all these fantastic black shows and i know some people said oh that's because black people were suddenly allowed onto white shows and they were ensembles and this and that and i'm like yeah that's fine yeah. Good, but it's not the same it's not the same <laughs> and uh, a different world i just think it's good fun and you don't have to explain away things that are offensive because it's not offensive. It's very smart, but um, also very funny. There are those culture clashes of rich versus poor kids. There are the little bits of mischief that uh, the kids get up to and the tricks they play on each other and all of that good stuff that I think that your daughter will really enjoy. I know she's not in college, but I think when you're in eighth grade, you like watching kids who are a few years older than you. Oh, totally. Totally. It's all it's all aspirational. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think she'll enjoy watching some kids four or five years older than her do the things that maybe she dreams of doing someday. So um, again, Rafer, what are our prescriptions here? You've recommended A Different World, the television show from the late 80s, early 90s. And I recommended Night of the Comet, a little 80s gem from 1984. Yes. And with that, I suppose it's time for us to say goodbye to this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell so long. You're right. You're right. To you and you and you. (laughs) You know, I'm in Vermont right now, and the Von Trapp family home is right around, uh, (gasps) not too far from me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I should, I'll go there and send you a picture. Yeah, yeah, please do that, Rafer. <laughs> All right, sorry. Back to you, listeners. Please don't hesitate to reach out. If you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations, you can use the contact form on our website, raferandkristen.com. Once again, you don't have to use your real name. Again, that's raferandkristen.com. You can also tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer and write us at raferandkristen at gmail.com. And please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And please tell your friends about our show. It really does help us a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Adieu. Adieu. To you and you. And you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>